Y'all excited about Jesus? Oh, all right. Well, uh, if you're here for the first time, I am Pastor Cameron Peden, and I'm the pastoral care pastor here over small groups, um, you know, visiting uh, people in the hospital and all that stuff, and then I'm over young adults as well. Uh, and our senior pastor, what Mira said, he is relaxing at home. He needs a break, right? Right? And I'll tell you what, our pastor works so hard. He prays over you. He studies. I'm telling you, I, I glean so much. He is, he's been my mentor for 13, 14 years. And I'm telling you, there has not been a pastor like Pastor Mitch. I'm telling you, he's a man of integrity. And I love him. I love him. I love him. And I count it as an honor to speak in his stead. So let's give it up for our senior pastor, Mitch Warden. We love you. If you're watching at home, we love you so much. Um, man, I didn't know if we are going to have to take a boat here today because of all the rain. How many guys experienced the rain yesterday? Wasn't that crazy? Man, it's been a while since I've seen that much rain. Um, but we're so thankful that you're here. Um, and we'll get started. Father God, we just thank you so much for your word, for your holiness, for setting us apart to be yours, to identify as one of your own. God, I pray that you would open up our heart to receive everything that you have for us to receive. God, I pray that you would help these people to see you instead of me. God, I pray that the words that you have would come out of my mouth instead of me. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen, amen. Well, um, today the title of uh, my lesson is Set Apart for a Purpose. So I kind of battled doing this sermon because I know that I, I don't know if I'll get a lot of amens because it's it's a little heavy and it's totally against my, I guess, my character of what sermons that I like to preach. Um, so if I get a lot of amens, that's great. But if I don't, I'm telling you, this is what God has uh, has said, uh, basically put in my spirit to, to minister to you. I had a lot of other sermons that I wanted to do, but I was like, you know what? It, it just kept coming back to being set apart. So for the main per- the main point I want to get across today is God is calling us to be set apart for a specific purpose in order for us to identify with him so that the world may know him. So have you ever in life maybe felt like you were different or odd or kind of not in, like you didn't fit in anywhere? Raise your hand if you're like that. (laughs) Man, you can identify. Uh, You know, my whole life growing up, I, I really felt like the oddball out, like I was different from everyone else. And it really bothered me because the only thing I wanted to do was just fit in with my group of friends, hang out, kind of blend in. And I just didn't want to be set apart. But as I grew older and I started having a relationship with Jesus, I started realizing that I was set apart for a specific purpose. And I didn't realize it when I was in, you know, in the locker room hanging out with the guys and they were talking about girls and they were talking about all. And let me just tell you, even though you send your kid to a Christian school, thank you mom for sending me to RC. I appreciate it. But also it, I'm telling you, it doesn't mean that they're Christians. Whenever you get into the locker room, there is same, the same conversations that go on in there, go on in public schools. So even though yet yeah, parents, I really encourage you to, to send your, your kids to to private school, but I'm telling you, even in Christian schools, you have to be set apart. You know, I, I was uh, on the van on a basketball game coming back, and these guys were talking about stuff that they, you know, talking about girls in interesting ways. And uh, they came, <laughs> and they came in, and I'm like, dude, you know, what's your experiences? I was like, man, you like, I don't really want to talk about girls like that. And they're like, man, 
You know, like, why are you so different? And I was like, um, I, I just love Jesus, man. He's, they're, they were, they're all like, man, you're just so nice. You're just so, you don't talk about the things that, that we talk about. And we just don't understand that. And I, I've, I felt like I was weird. And I felt like, man, am I, am I normal? Um, but I, I started realizing that I was set apart for a specific purpose. And we're going to be talking about that today. So just like God has made us all different and unique, he made the avenue of following him unique as well. So let's talk about Christianity. Um, what makes Christianity different from anything or any, any other religion? And plain and simple, it's Jesus Christ. He is the center and the foundation of what Christianity is all about. Christ is where we get our names, Christians, Christians, all right? Christians literally means little Christ. So when we accept Jesus Christ into our lives, guess what? We become little Christ walking here on planet earth, right? So also Christianity claims to be the only way, it's, it's exclusive, the only way to heaven, which is believing and following Jesus Christ. This excludes all other religions in John 14, 6. So it says, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come unto the Father except through me. So as you see, Christianity is completely exclusive. In other religions, man is reaching out to God. When you look in the Old Testament, you see these barrel worshipers, they're cutting themselves, trying to get the attention of their quote-unquote God. But see, in Christianity, God reaches out to man first and wants to be a part of their life in an intimate way. Let's look in Leviticus 26, 11 through 12. It says, I will live among you and I will not despise you. I will walk among you. I will be your God and you will be my people. So as you see, God is wanting to, he's reaching out to man to be an intimate part of his life. And he wants us to be a part of, 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 of him in, in, in an intimate way. But see, we as Christians, we're called to live a life of the characteristics of God and how we live our life instead of how we want to live our life in the fleshly way. And that's called living by the spirit. We're learning about that in cleansing stream. We, uh, it, was, it was just kind of crazy how that's, yeah, shout out the cleansing stream on Monday nights. Oh, I'm telling you, man, God's doing some amazing things on Monday nights through cleansing stream. So if you didn't get a chance to come through this semester, we'll probably do it again, maybe next semester or in a year or so. I'm telling you, it is life-changing. So Galatians 5, 6, it says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So what are some characteristics of God? I want to hear from you. What are some characteristics of God? Loving, I think I heard holy, patient, gentle, all just. So we're talking about these things, but what I want to do, I want to talk about God's holiness, all right? Because all of these, all these characteristics of God is amazing. It's what, who, who he is, but I think sometimes we overlook holiness because sometimes it's a little intimidating, isn't it? You know, you're like, I can relate to love. I can relate to God's forgiveness because I want to be forgiven. But when it comes to his holiness, there's just a little intimidation that comes, comes with that. So let's talk about the word holiness. The holiness, um, the word holiness is referred to God 43 times. I looked it up. I just Googled it. I was like, how many times is holiness, uh, you know, how, how many times is holiness described uh, God? It's 43 times. So that's a lot. I can understand maybe one or two times that, that you know, holiness is brought up. But like 43 times to describe God, that's something significant. I think we need to pay attention to that. So 
The word holy comes from the Hebrew word. Everybody say kwadash. I know it's, a, it's kind of a weird name, but it's sacred or set apart for a specific purpose. So God's holiness is set apart for a specific purpose. So what purpose is that? We're going to be talking about that. So God is holy and different from anything we have ever experienced in our life, right? All right, so in 1 Peter 1, 13 through 22, uh, I looked in the Dakes. How many guys like Dakes? You guys, how many guys have a Dakes Bible? Isn't it awesome? It's very detailed. If you don't have a Dakes annotated Bible, I highly encourage it. It kind of goes into... Uh, each verse and kind of describes uh, the you know the Greek version of this and and so this is what First um, Peter uh, in the Dakes annotated Bible says it's, it's six commands or the characteristics of a Christian. Number one, we need to practice self control in verse thirteen. I think that's obvious. We need to not mouth off or we need to control our temper. We need to control our our our, uh, our flesh. And the number two is to be sober. Verse 13, Greek word, nepho, which means to be sober, to be calm and collected in spirit, uh, to be tempered, to uh, dispassionate circumstance. So we don't need to be putting anything in our, our mind or our, uh, you know, our body that causes us to not be sober and to not think straight, okay? Number three is we should rest our hope fully upon the grace and salvation in Christ. And then, you know, many times we rely on our own way of getting... Uh, peace in the in our world whether it be through addictions whether it be uh through pet sins um maybe it be you know maybe we look at our pastor and it's like man like we put people or our wives uh, on a pedestal to work to the point where we're taking god and putting idols in pet sins so that we can be comfortable in, in ourselves so we got to be careful with that all right number four repent and don't live according to your former life of sin in Ephesians 2, 1 through 2, 3, it talks about, you know, the new creation that God's created in you. Don't go back to the way you were living before, all right? Number five, pass the time of your stay here on earth in reverential fear of God, which is in verse 17. And then 1 Corinthians 10, 12 through 13. I know I'm throwing a lot of scripture at you, but I want you to know that this is the word. I'm not, I'm not just making this stuff up. Um, always live your life in light that God is aware of everything that we do and say, and let everything you do be filtered through him. And then number six, love. Love one another fervently with a pure heart in verse 22, John 13, 34 through 35, 15, 12 through 13. Uh, and love those who love you, which I think it's easy to do when you have somebody that you're loving and they love you back, but also God is calling us to love those who don't love us back that actually talk behind our back because that's the kind of love that is set apart, okay? So a lot of times, you know what? I am, so, I mean, we got, we got an awesome worship pastor, right? Thank, I'm so thankful for him and his team. Give it up for him. <clears throat> Every week, you know, we sing songs of worship uh, to God because he loves us and how much we love him. And, that, and that's great. And I think we, we sang about his holiness. Man, that was awesome. And that's, that's the characteristics of God. And then, you know, you hear sermons um, all over the U.S. that talk about God's love and God's forgiveness and stuff. But sometimes we don't really hear about the majesty and the holiness of God because predominantly God's holiness is not talked about in American churches today. I'm so 
glad that we come to a church that we're part of a, a church that talks about the holiness of God. And I'm, I'm so glad that our pastor is not swayed by where the church, quote unquote, is going. He's not afraid of what to say when God speaks it on his heart. So I'm so thankful that, we, that we're at a church where God reigns, where, <laughs> where the truth is being taught. So thank you, pastor. <laughs> so, um, and, I, and I feel like the, the church these days, that they're giving messages that just tickle our ears and don't really stomp on our toes where we need it. Because if you're reading the word of God and you're listening to his word, it's gonna, it's gonna mess with you. And if it's not messing with you, are you at the right church? Are you reading the Bible that I'm reading? Because I'm telling you, every time I pick up the word, I'm just, ooh, I feel a little moved inside and my toes are getting stomped all over. Even though I've been following God for a long time, I'm telling you, God is still working in me. Okay, amen? And he should be. So see, many of us, we, we see God as nothing more than, that's my homie. Jesus is, I've seen t-shirts saying, Jesus is my homie. Jesus is my buddy. No, no, no. No, he is holy. He is our God. Well, that's something, somebody we need to be bowing our face before. Now, he's not my home. Yes, he is a friend, but we don't just, like, what's up, dad? What's up, man? Nah, man. Like, if I did it my dad when I was a kid, he'd be like, you better respect me. I don't know. He wouldn't really like that. I love you, dad. <laughs> so we attempt to bring God down to our level in our way of thinking and, and, and doing life instead of conditioning our life and heart to please him. We want to bring God into our life. And just what pastor was talking about in the idols that he saw in the temple, he says, oh, I see Jesus among all these other idols. Oh, yeah, he's a great prophet. He's a great teacher. No, he is the way, the truth. He needs to be set apart as holy. And, and when, whenever we bring him into our lives, we need to be changing. Okay, all right? Not like, okay, God, I'm just gonna, you're gonna be one of my gods that I serve. And you know what? You're gonna condition your life around me. That's, guess what? That's putting yourself in the place of God, all right? So we have to yield our thoughts and our ways to him. Isaiah 55, uh, eight through nine, it says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the, the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So let's talk about the encounters with God in the Old Testament. So many times when, uh, when God spoke to the Israelites, he reminded them uh, in Leviticus and Exodus and Numbers that every time he came and met with them, he says, I am the Lord, your God. I am the Lord, your God. I'm not your homie. You know, I'm not your friend. I am the Lord, your God. And so when people in the Bible encountered God, they just, you know, they didn't just go up and high five and shake his hand. They actually bowed and cowered before him in Exodus 3, 4 through 6. It says, when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called him to, from the bush, Moses, Moses. Here I am, Moses replied. Don't come any closer. The Lord warned, take off your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God, your father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When Moses heard this, look at, look at his reaction. He covered his face because he was afraid to look at God because it was, it was so, there was such immense power coming from that bush. And he was in the presence of God Almighty. So God wouldn't even show his full glory to Moses or it would have killed him in Exodus 33, 19 through 20s. And then Daniel was able to stand up to kings 
uh, of the land and sit in the den of lions. But whenever he closes us, had dreams of God's majesty and glory, it actually terrified him. In Daniel 7, 15, it says, I, Daniel, was troubled by what all I had seen, and my visions terrified me. So we, we are serving a God that is mighty, that is holy, okay? The apostle John saw visions of God causing him to feel as though he were dead. Revelations 1, 17 says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet if I were dead, but he laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. And then God appearing to uh, Moses and, and the Israelites on Mount Sinai. You guys know that scene where the, you know, there was a big billowing smoke of thunder and the Israelites were at the bottom and you know, uh, you know, the Israelites were like, nah, I'll, you go up to, 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 to the mountain because that looks scary. I don't want that. You know, and God was like, hey, I want to be intimate with you. But it says in verse 20, it says, don't be afraid. Moses answered them, for God has come in this way to test you. And so that your fear of him will keep you from sinning. Okay. So many of us, we keep on sinning because we don't have a reverential fear of God and who he truly is in our lives. And we need to start realizing this is the God that we serve, okay? As you can see, God's holiness is a huge deal, all right? And how would you react if you were on that mountain or at the base of that mountain and, and Moses was up and you were seeing all this billowing cloud, how would you react, you know? Would you be like, okay, Moses, you go up there. I mean, you, you gotta imagine like we're, that this is God manifesting himself in a, in a powerful way. I know we don't, see God now because he lives on the inside of us and we don't have these experiences with God. But I, I feel like during services, we have. <laughs> we, I mean, we've been hitting the dirt lately because God's presence is in the room. And when God's presence is in the room, I can't help but just bow, boo-hoo my eyes out and tremble. Like there's been times where I've been in the presence of God. I didn't want to move. I didn't want to say anything because I was like, oh man, God's presence is in the room. Yeah, have, you, have you felt that? Okay, all right. Um, so we are set apart as holy. Leviticus 20, 26, it says, you must be holy because I, the Lord, am holy and I have set you apart from all the other people to be my very own. We're gonna play a game right now. Y'all like games? You're like, man, we're Sunday morning having a game. How do you guys know logos? You guys know logos pretty well? All right, so what we're going to do is uh, we're going to show some logos up there. I'm not going to have any names on them. I want to see if you can know the logo without even having the name. Shoot that first one up there. Amazon. All right, next one. Kind of plain and simple. Oh, yeah. Some of y'all young people are like, what? Twitter. Yeah. All right. Yeah, both. It's good stuff there. Yep. Windows, Microsoft, yep, yep. All right. So you guys did great. Actually, I would say the, the creators of this logo did really good because everybody knows these logos are set apart from every other logo. So as you can see, logos identify with a certain brand and it stands out from any other logo. You didn't get Apple and Windows mixed up, right? Because their logo was completely different from all the other logos. So in God's presence set the Israelites apart from all other nations. Exodus thirty-three sixteen. 
It says, I want to kind of skip on down. Uh, it says, for your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on earth. All right. And it's, but the first part, it says, how will anyone know that you look favorably on me? It's the presence of God on our lives and the holiness of God and the transformation power of Jesus working on the inside that sets us apart from all the other people on planet earth. Okay. So when God commanded the Israelites to be holy, he was telling them that he wanted them to identify with him and who he was. He wanted them to be branded by him as his very own people, different from anyone else. You guys kind of see the trend that I'm talking about? We are completely different than any other religion, any other person on the planet Earth because we are his own. We are his. In Acts 4.13, this is uh, talking about Peter and John. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary people with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been branded and been with Jesus. So they carried the presence everywhere they went. So these people, they didn't know them. They didn't know Peter and John, but they were like, man, they, this guy's been in the presence of God. These people are with Jesus, okay? So Hebrews ten sixteen says, this is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. You see what God's doing right here? He's putting his logo in our hearts. He has already put his logo in our hearts. He has branded us with his Holy Spirit so that we are to be different from anyone else. See, the characteristics of, the, of holiness in you is his brand of identity that you are one of his people different from anyone else in the world. And I find it mind-blowing that the God of the universe that is perfect in every way wants us as his creation to identify with him. Us as broken individuals that mess up every single day. But he wants to be part of our lives. He wants us to be intimate with him. And he wants us to look just like him. Isn't that amazing? Man, that's just, I, I just, it just, it's amazing. So I, I want to kind of ask you, um, in your sphere of influence, in your workplace, uh, you know, teenagers, uh, in your schools, in young adults, in, in your college years and stuff, um, what are you known for? What's your identity? All right. Are you known as the class clown? Uh, are you known as the guy that, or the girl that has a temper and a short fuse that goes off of, of anything? Are you the funny person? Are you the sexy person? That was really weird. <laughs> All right. What? <laughs> I said that really weird. I'm sorry, y'all. Sexy. <laughs> All right. Or are you the one that people run to whenever they need prayer? Whenever things in, in, in life go crazy, are you the one? Are you the one? Sorry. <laughs> people cracking up. I won't do that second service, I promise. Um, but are you the one that people run to in a time of crisis? Like, hey, man, I need you to pray for me. I'm having a hard time. You know, I know that, you, I know, kind of like you're Moses, like you, you've been with God. So can you pray for me? 
And what you need to do is direct them to the Father and say, you know what? I got this, this relationship with God that I go to him, but guess what? You can do it too. You know, when you pray, when you, you know, well, at first you got to get saved. You got to, you know, have Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But guess what? You can do the same things that I'm doing. Why don't you come hang out with me? Come to my small group. Come to my, to my church. Come worship with me. You can do the same thing too. Are you leading people to the Father? So that's what your identity should be. You should be completely different than anybody else. I mean, honestly, you should be, you know, the person that spreads gossip. You're the one that, oh, man, like, oh, he's got all the stories. She's got all the stories. You know what? When people start dumping on you, if you're the, the, the hub of gossip, you know what? I think you said it, you're, it was it a dumpster of a trash can or something like that. You need to say, hey, you know what? Take that to somebody else. I don't, you ain't dumping here, okay? And sometimes that may be rude, may be considered to be rude. But you know what? You're standing up saying, you know what, I'm set apart. I'm not going to be trashed on. You're not going to talk about my friend like that. You're not going to talk about the boss like that. Keep your comp- Go to that person. Don't talk to me, okay? That's being set apart, okay? All right. All right. So just like a marriage, um, I think Joshua was kind of talking about this during worship. Like this right here, this is a covenant that I have with my precious and my smoking hot wife. <laughs> Everybody picks on me because I talk about my wife. I was wondering if I was actually going to do that this, this time, but you know, this is a covenant between me and my wife. Okay. When, when people see this, when women say, look at this, they're like, oh man, he is unavailable. He is off the market. I am not doing that. Okay. But this is, this is a I got, I'm actually, this is my other ring, and I got another ring right here. I am ringed up. I am covenanted with my wife. And yes, this is the first one that didn't fit my finger. So, yes, I, this is, yeah. So, I am triple covenanted with my wife. And so, when people see these rings, they're like, man, he is married. So, when people see, this is almost like, this is the holiness of God. When people see that you don't react the way everybody reacts. You don't talk like everybody else talks. You know, you actually lead people to goodness and, 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 and the presence of God and peace. And people come to you because you're peaceful and you're joyful and you're happy. And, you know, everything around you is going crazy. You just lost this person, that person. I mean, I would say 2021 and 2020 have been a, a, a year of loss. And, for some reason, you have hope inside of you. You come to work every day just happy and joyful, you know. Uh, there's something different about you. That's the wedding ring of the holiness of God and the presence of God on your life. So in Ephesians um, <clears throat> 5.27, it says, So that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy. This is talking about us as the church, holy and without blemish. So God is coming, Jesus is coming back for a clean and holy church without spot or blemish. So can we live this life of holiness? Is this possible? So Hebrews 13, 21, it says, may he, everybody say he, this is Jesus. This is talking about Jesus. Produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to him. So plain and simple, we in ourselves 
We'll never be holy without, and we can't live out a holy life in and of ourselves. We have to have a dependency on the relationship of Jesus Christ. He is the one that works good works inside of us. He's the one that, is, that, that we need to be yielded to, to have good works and to live a holy life. Okay, but God has made a way for us to be holy by redeeming and regenerating, regenerating us through the blood of Jesus Christ. Our dependence upon him will determine how much he regenerates us. Now, I'm going to share something. It's, it's kind of long, but I think we got time to do it. So how many guys know Oswald Chambers? You guys know Oswald? I, I really like his devotions. And I was looking at it the other day, and it was actually Wednesday's devotion, but I got it on, I was reading it on Tuesday, so I got the numbers mixed up. But you know how God does things? It wasn't, I read October 4th, but I, I read October 6th, and it had everything to do with what, I, what my sermon was talking about. And I, haven't, I hadn't been doing his devotion in a while because I've just been focusing in on the scriptures and just focusing on his word. But for some reason, and I know why, God had me read this devotion. And it's not long, but it says, if Jesus Christ is truly a regenerator, someone who can put his own heredity of holiness into me, then I can begin to see what he means when he says that I have to be holy. Redemption means that Jesus Christ can put into anyone the heredity nature that was in himself. And all the standards he gives us are based on that nature. His teaching is meant to, to be applied to the life which he puts within us. The proper, uh, the proper action on my part is simply to agree that God's verdict on sin is judged on the cross of Christ. The New Testament teaching about regeneration is that when a person is hit by his own sense of need, God will put the Holy Spirit into his spirit and his personal spirit will be energized by the spirit of the Son of God until, until Christ is formed in you, Galatians 4, 19. The moral miracle of redemption, that is God, can put a new nature into me through which I can live a totally new life. When I finally reach the edge of my need and my own limitations, then Jesus says, Blessed are you, Matthew 5, 11. We, talk, we saw that uh, in The Chosen this past, <clears throat> this past Friday night. But I must get to that point. God cannot put into me the responsible moral person that I am, the nature that was in Jesus Christ, unless I am aware of my need for it. If you're depending on your own self to get you through life and to get this life of holiness, you're wrong, all right? You need to be de dependent and you need to have a realization uh, that you need Christ in your life. Just as the nature of sin entered into the human race through one man, the Holy Spirit entered into the human race through another man in Romans 5, 12 through 19. And redemption means that I can be delivered from the heredity of sin and that through Jesus Christ and him only, I can receive a pure and spotless heredity, namely the Holy Spirit. Isn't that so good? Oh, thank you, Lord. So I'm talking about um, holiness. So here are some scriptures that, I, that declare to us how God has made us holy. Hebrews 13, 12. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his blood. So uh, sanctified in Greek is the word hagia. I'm probably going to totally annihilate this. Hagiazo. Did I say that? You think so? Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> Hagiazo means to make holy, consecrate, sanctify, to dedicate, separate. So let's read this verse again with that being said. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to 
make holy, consecrate, sanctify, to dedicate, to separate. So the great news is we are already holy because Jesus made us holy. We just have to work that out in our daily lives, right? Isn't that good? Like, we don't have to work for holiness. Jesus already provided that. So to illustrate this, uh, how many guys, how many parents are in here of young girls, okay? Or, you know, don't really, maybe there's a guy too that might like this stuff. How many guys heard of the mini brand, little surprise boxes? Little, they're like circle globes. My little girl is totally obsessed with these things. I don't know why, but I think it's just the surprise of what's on the inside. And so she gets, does Zoe, does Zoe like it? Yeah, she's like, yes, and they're eight bucks a piece. So, <laughs> uh, so what it is, is like this globe, and you tear apart uh, the wrapping, and there's different ways that you can, you know, you know it, it, it folds out into like an orange pill. And so you go to each of these little pills and you open it up and there's a surprise of a brand on the inside. And for some reason, these kids are totally obsessed with these brands and these surprise uh, openings and stuff like that. And um, so it got me thinking, I'm like, man, you know what? Like that's totally, uh, I got this in worship this past Wednesday. Like that's how holiness is. See, God is, God has given us the holiness or and holiness is on the inside of us. It's just up to us to, to discover what's on the inside and what God has provided for us. You know what? We, we can't discover it on our own. We can't discover it by looking at trash and, and engaging in sin. And you, we have to discover it through the presence and that relationship and that daily consecration to God on a daily basis, okay? So then you can open up just like my little girl. She's opening up and just go, oh man, there's a banana. No, well, that's great. And then this, you can play with, you know, the bananas or whatever, but opening up gifts that God has for you as well. Talents that maybe you don't even know. God's righteousness, God's holiness, God's forgiveness. Those are things that, that, that you can access whenever you have that one-on-one time with him, okay? Um, then Hebrews 10, 10 says, for God, God's will f- was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Christ once and for all time. Woo. Yes. So we've been made, made holy for all time. There's no expiration date for this. Isn't that amazing? Uh, let's see. Second Corinthians 7, 7, 1 says, because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit and let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God. So work towards in this verse means that it's a lifelong process. It's a lifestyle of holiness. It doesn't happen overnight, all right? Once you get saved, yes, you're a child of God, but guess what? There's, there's an identity that you need to start learning about Whenever you hang out with them, I'm telling you, like, I, I, whenever I hang out with, with certain people, I start mimicking, like, how they talk, I, like, not even realizing. I, I hang out with my family. I start talking like this because all my family are, I love them, but they are country, bro. <laughs> yeah. 2 Corinthians 6, 17 through 18. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things, and I will, I will welcome you. And I will be your father, and you will be your. I will be, uh, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. I was reading this morning on my, uh, on my porch, and I was like, man, that sounds really familiar. You know, when God was speaking to the Israelites, He said, Leviticus twenty six eleven through twelve. It says, I will live among you, and I will not despise you. I will walk among you. I will be your God, and you will be my people. 
So that says it in the Old Testament speaking to the Israelites and then in the New Testament speaking to us. God wants to be an intimate part of our lives. He wants to be our God, okay? You know, David talks about it in Psalms 51.10. Created me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. First Thessalonians 5.23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So is there a way to live this out on our daily lives? First Peter 1, 15 through 16 says, but now, not later, now you must be holy in everything that you do, just as God who has chosen you to be holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. So in reading that again, it says, you know, we don't, we don't need to be waiting until we get to heaven. Like, oh, we got that renewed body. We got that renewed mind. That's when I can be holy. He says, no, you need to be starting to practice this lifestyle of holiness now because there's a lot of things that's going to come against you because, um, you know, the enemy wants to take everything, every, everything out of you, every, everything that pertains to life out of you. So now you need to consecrate yourself so that you can live a holy life so you can do everything that God's created you to do. So, Jesus is coming back for a spotless bride in Ephesians 5, 27. It says, he did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. So when the apostle Peter was writing this letter, the people in, in the churches of that time were having a hard time, you know, living this life of holiness. That's why you had to address it. Can you relate? <laughs> I know I can relate sometimes. Like I live, oh man, there's certain days where I just don't feel like being holy. Okay, we just, you know, we want to react in our own way. We want to tell that person a little thing or two that, that insulted us at work. But having that self-control, having that, that spirit of God upon us set apart, guess what? He, you, you can have that self-control. You can, you, you can refrain from gossiping and being, you know, being set apart. Holiness is a lifestyle, a way of living in a constant identification that we are God's. It's literally his brand on us that identifies us as his own. Um, how many guys have a toothbrush? Hopefully you do. <laughs> if you don't, like, I'll be praying for you from a distance. So you got some stank breath. But um, everybody knows your toothbrush, right? You know, like, at least I know exactly where my toothbrush is. Every morning, it's in my shower. I brush my teeth, floss my teeth in the shower. That's, I, know, I just like doing it in the shower. I just, you know, get it all over with. But what if I, what if I came here and I was like, you know what? I just feel like sharing my toothbrush with Taylor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's nasty, right? Or it's going to, hey, I'm going to share it with my, my brother, Bill. Hey, man, you brush your teeth with my toothbrush? That's nasty, right? But see, like, that's how God is. God's not willing to share us with anybody other because my DNA is on that toothbrush. That is mine until I throw it away after about however long. And I'm going <laughs> to... Until it stank. <laughs> All right, so God doesn't want to share us with anyone because we are precious to him. He desires to have you all to himself. So you were bought by him through his own son's death, burial, and resurrection. First Corinthians 6, 20 talks about this. For God brought you at a, what? High price. It was the highest price because he sacrificed himself. He says, the only perfect sacrifice is me. I'm going to give myself over for these for mankind so that they can be intimate with me. But see, for some of us, the first step is to realize that we are precious enough for God to buy us back to himself. That part is sometimes hard for us to realize 
that we are precious enough for him to love us and to sacrifice. If you can get that, I'm telling you, it's a huge revelation to forgive yourself and say, you know what, I am worthy. I am worthy enough to have a relationship with Jesus, okay? So what if I mess up? Because guess what, we're gonna mess up, all right? At times we're gonna mess up and get distracted from this lifestyle of holiness and give it to our flesh. This is where the other characteristics of God come into play, like his grace, his mercy, and his forgiveness. If you mess up, pastor says, mess up, fess up. You guys have been paying attention. 1 John 1, 9, it says, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all wickedness. But we should not strive to continue to live in that sin, doing everything we can to walk away from that lifestyle. Romans 6, 1 through 2, Paul talks about this. Then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we live uh, in it anymore? So if, if you find yourself falling into sin, repent, walk away from it, and try your best to just, God, like my desire is to want to do this. Like I have cravings of whatever this is. Or you're like, man, God, like this person did me wrong. Like, do you understand what they did? Like, you know, like, man, do you know what you've done to me? Jesus is saying, you know what you've done to me? And I forgave you. So you got to forgive others. Stop holding on to this. Okay, you got to let it go. All right, so we should not keep on sinning. Once we've been forgiven, we got to live out this lifestyle of holiness because I'm telling you, Jesus, he paid the highest price, which was himself. So we should be doing our best to live our lives in a separated and a holy way. Um, being different and set apart, I'm closing with this. Being different and set apart from the rest of the world can be scary and it may feel like you're all alone at times. You may be at work and you're the only Christian there. You may be at school and you're in your class and you're the only, I would, you know, True Christian there, okay? It can, be, it can seem to be alone at times. Um, but see, you know, it's hard to go against the current of how the world is going, but God makes it clear in his word that he will be with us and he will sustain us in him. Let's go to John 16, 33. It says, I've told you all of this so that you may have peace, what? In me, which is, which is Jesus. You're gonna have peace, not by yourself, not with that drink, not with that girl, Okay, you're going to have peace in him. Here on earth, you may have many trials and sorrow, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So if followers of Jesus were like everyone else, they would not, there would be no appeal to follow after him because there would be no difference between the world and you. Your lifestyle being different, set apart from everyone else is absolutely necessary for others to know and see Christ. This is a statement I always used to say being a youth pastor. You may be the only Jesus they ever see. Okay. So action points you want to take away. I want you to embrace the lifestyle of being set apart for holiness. Don't be afraid of living a life that is set apart from those around you. It's what you were made to be. Okay. Number two, be constantly aware and have a reverential fear of the holiness of God and how you approach him. And then number three, lastly, realize that living a life of holiness is a lifestyle. It's who you were made to be. It's the brand of God. It's your identity. All right, let's go ahead and stand up. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much that you have chosen to be a part of our lives, that you have sought after us as your creation to be intimately a part of us, to be our God, and for you to be our Savior, Jesus. 
God, I pray over every person that's listening, everyone that's here. God, I pray that we would live out the life that you paid for, the ultimate high price, which was you, Jesus. And God, we want to pay back any way that we can. And if that's living a life that's set apart so that others can know you, God, I pray that you would help us to do that. God, I pray for everyone in here that's struggling, maybe with sin, with a a toxic relationship or toxic way of thinking. God, I pray that you would help them in that habit, a natural reaction that their flesh loves. God, I pray that they would lay that at your altar, that they would lay that addiction, they would lay that mindset down at your feet and that they would discover the holiness inside of them, that you have already made them holy through your son, Jesus. God, I pray that their relationship with you would continue to grow. And Lord, that they would realize that they are worthy. They are worth loving. And that you would reveal yourself in a mighty way. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.